Hello and welcome to Comically Pedantic, where we take a detailed look at the complicated concepts, characters, and history of comic book culture. I'm your host, Derek L. Chase, and joining me on this episode, as always, the wonderful Corinne Levy. Oh, well, hi. Uh, so, um, before we get started, I have to ask what your bright spot is. <laughs> um, I have a very fun, special bright spot. I had a friend come visit this weekend. Uh, number one, I love hosting my friends, and that is always a good time. Uh, but also, this friend, like, listens to the podcast, like, and is a very dedicated listener. And it was just, like, very nice, because I didn't know, really, that, like, I knew people that listened. And I'm just like, oh man, my friend supports me, and I think that's really cool. So... Thanks to my friend for just being a really cool and supportive pal. We appreciate you and we are excited for all the things that they are doing. Um, Cause there was truly nothing better than catching up with the pal. So uh, I got the opportunity to do that this weekend. And I think that's my bright spot. Um, I got a lot of fun things coming up and that kind of just like kickstarted all of the things that are to come. So oh, yeah. It's been a good time. What about you? So, uh, well, the new um, the new Legend of Zelda game uh, just came out. Uh, it's so like everyone, a sequel to Breath of the Wild, right? Right. It, it's okay. essentially Breath of the Wild 2. It has a different name. I don't remember it. So, of course, everyone's really excited about that. Everyone's talking about it online. And so, of course, I decided to buy a second copy of Sonic the Hedgehog uh, Sonic Frontiers and not by Legend of Zelda. And I'm having a blast with my second copy of Sonic Wait, Frontiers. Wait, why do you have a second copy? Because we have the PS5. So I was like, I want to see what it looks like on the PS5. And I bought it. And you it can looks, do that? Yes. And it looks I thought it was so a strictly Nintendo game. No, 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 no. Actually, it's probably, from what I've found online, uh, it is like the the worst version of it is on the switch. Uh, and oh, it's not okay. like the game isn't wildly different on the switch. It's just like the way that it runs and the graphics are a little, but is Sonic not an, not a, no, Nintendo? it's a Sega thing. Oh, that's right. So, you would think I would know that because we did literally a whole thing. Right. About Sonic property. Uh, well, Sega, I totally Sega. did not learn. <laughs> Sega did a lot of like teaming with Nintendo, and that's yeah, because they like, did Sonic and Mar- Mario and Sonic at the Olympic yeah, Games, right? But okay, like they so used I'm to do their like own crazy. console. Now it's its own thing. Right. Uh, but it looks amazing on the PS5. It runs so well. It is, and they've been doing a lot of like this is just an ad for the game. They've just been doing like free <laughs> DLC for it, so you can now like play your own music. Well, not your own music. You can play like old Sonic songs. You can like oh, find cool. They've added it so like you find music notes in the different areas that you play and then that unlocks new songs for oh, you to be able okay. to play. They also added like uh, battle modes and like d- different ways to like race and have fun. And I'm, yeah. I just love... Oh, also they added a springtime thing for it so like all the little cocoa that you collect throughout the game are now little uh easter eggs uh, it's oh, cute, cute. I genuinely i'm I it is it. is this is my third time playing the game all the way through and i'm having just as much fun uh as i did the first time oh i support <laughs> that so is the dlc just for is that for all consoles yeah um okay. so and they're doing like waves of it so right. that makes sense. Uh, there's like so I don't know. They're doing like a bunch. The thing I'm most excited about it won't be until like the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like their third wave of DLC. They're going to introduce a new story with uh, other playable characters, and I'm hoping that means Knuckles and Tails and and Amy because uh, I, I love, love Tails. Right, and I think uh. I think for sure they have to do Tails as a playable character. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I mean like, like, yeah, he's like the, like after Sonic, it is immediately like thought of tales. Right. And so I'm, I'm hoping that at least is, uh, is going to be fun. I'm, I genuinely, I could not believe how much fun I was having playing this because I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to rush through this. Nope. I'm having a blast. I don't even care. 
Well, I get that. I like, so I play a lot of Stardew as I'm sure. (laughs) I feel like I've mentioned it a lot. I do play a lot of Stardew though. Big fan. And I had it on, I have it on my computer, but, um, I don't know. There was just something about having it on the switch. I just, I have a switch light and I really wanted it on that. And so I got that this weekend because it was like on sale. <laughs> oh yeah. It goes on sale a lot. It's, I know. It's, it's such and a I fun just, game. I love Concerned Ape. And so I got, I was like playing for like quite a while, like last night. Um, just like little, little switch light stardew action. And I was having a great time. Uh, that is there's like the a, one game that I always come back to. There's a new there's a new game coming out soon, right? The, yes, the, the Haunted, the Haunted Chocolatier. Chocolatier. I want to play it so bad. I'm going to get looks it great. from my little switchy switch. I'm very excited. I really like the stuff that this guy, um, that Concerned Ape has made. Because um, you can just tell he's so dedicated to like the oh, thing yeah. that he works on. And it's just... Uh, the content is so wholesome and like just immersive and I love it. Um very passionate about Stardew Valley. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm excited for it to come out. I don't know when it comes out, but best believe I will be playing it all the live long day. Um yeah, it, it looks great. I love the the art style that I've seen so far. Which I mean, it's obviously it's similar to Stardew Valley, but they, you know, there's different colors, and and I love that color. Yeah, scheme. it's a different place, so it's got different styles to it, but it's still in the same like art mode, and I I like right. that. I do be a fan, and it will be yet another game that I can like play for hours and then disappear from and then just come right back to with all the same (laughs) little guys. Speaking of disappearing and coming back to all the same little guys, aren't we going to talk about the lost years today? (laughs) I absolutely love that segue. Thank you. Queen of segues here. I'm going to brag today. I'm a a cocky son of a bitch this evening. (laughs) In one of the most recent episodes of our show, we learned that Kane, the brooding mysterious stranger whose entire personality is that he is brooding and mysterious, is actually the first and never before mentioned deformed clone of Peter Parker. Yeah, he's like the Phantom of the Opera, but Peter Parker's (laughs) first clone. We also learned that Ben Riley, the person who we thought was the long-lost clone from the original Clone Saga way back in 1973, was really the original Peter Parker, and the Peter Parker we have been following for the last 20 years has actually been a clone this whole time. And this Whether, made me unhappy. <laughs> it made a lot of uh, Spider-Man fans very unhappy. Yeah. Uh, this this was not a well-thought-out well, uh, uh scheme that we've uh, stumbled into. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not any of this is true and how this all works on a continuity level is what we will learn in future installments of our own show. For right now, we are going to assume that this is the truth and we will take a look at what came in the five-year window between the original Clone Saga and the one we are currently reading. That's right. We will be reading Spider-Man The Lost Years. And I want to take a moment to let everyone know that I'm actually going to be covering this a little differently. First, I'm going to cover the whole series in largely two parts, uh, rather than as an individual uh, issue. Like, I'm not going to go through issue one, this is what happened. I'm just going to tell you the whole story. Uh, And we will get to the reasons why uh, very shortly. Secondly, I will get my personal opinion on the story out of the way before we get to what I liked and what I disliked, because I think it would be hard to hide my genuine feelings about this book. Okay. So how did you feel? (laughs) I fucking loved this story. Oh, you did? Okay, good. Genuinely, like, I started it and, well, well, okay. When I started it, I was like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. And then I got past that part and I was like, holy shit, I think this might be amazing. And oh, okay. I genuinely loved it. This is what the Clone Saga should have been written like. 
It is a well-paced, darker-in-tone Spider-Man story that focuses on the characters more than shocking endings. Uh, it has a great script from Demetrius. It has uh, a wonderful artwork from Ramita Jr. and uh, Klaus Janssen. Uh, I genuinely loved this. The only okay. thing that really... Well, I have a few like things that I'm not super big on. But the yeah. thing that like really weighs it down is not actually part of the story itself. It's the issue zero, which is what we're going to start with. Okay. So uh, Spider-Man The Lost Years issue zero is a collection of short stories that are all jammed together to make a comic book. And it kind of works, kind of doesn't. Most of the stories that we have uh, uh, that are published, we have already read. And I'm not really going to cover those. So, like, depending on the version of issue zero you buy, it's either uh, a collection of, like, the double plus the the Parker legacy, which we kind of went over before. It's like the Parker legacy was, like, the story where um, Ben wanders home sees that, like, uh, um, Peter is with Aunt May. He decides to leave New York. He, like, goes to... He ends up staying at, like, this weird motel. And oh, he, with like, the... Any encounters with the guy. Right. right. He ends up, like, saving that guy from, like, shooting himself. And it's a really good story. And it's it's the same creative team. That's... Okay. I think... And that was my favorite thing we had read up until this point. So yeah, I feel like this is just was, like the winning combination. That was just after Spider-Man 400. Because right. part of Spider-Man 400 was the Peter Parker flashback where it discusses like why Aunt May was like afraid of Spider-Man in the beginning and like didn't like him. Yeah, yeah. So okay. um, that I think is, that was the same or a similar team. I don't, I don't remember. Because it was I don't, a while ago point, since I, I read it now, but but like the vibes are similar, like background stuff for context, right? And so uh, we also have a story called the Double, which was a a, a backup story that I will get into um, because we haven't read that one. Um, but if you get a different version of issue zero, it has all of power and responsibility. And like a bunch of the other story arcs that we've read, also oh. as part of it, it's like it's a long issue. Now, and is it are all of these Ben Riley focused? I'm still for now um, gonna call oh, yeah, him I'm, Ben Riley, right? Because just, so I think this is gonna get too confusing if we start. There, there is only a Peter certain one, amount Peter of times two. you can, yeah, you can number a Peter Parker. We already have Peter Parker attempted OG, we have P3PO. and we have P three PO, and I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah, no, we're good. The so yeah, these are all Ben Riley focused, and uh, there there's a good reason for it because I mean, when we get into the Lost Years, we're going to be talking about Ben Riley as a character and like what he's been through. So, uh. We st- we're going to just skip some of what I've already talked about. We're going to get into the double, uh, which is reprinted here from backups that ran during the power and responsibility arc. So the very first clone saga story that you and I covered, this the was a backup Judas story. Traveler and... Right. Okay. And it is written by J.M.D. Matias, penciled by Liam Sharp, uh, inked by Robin Riggs, colored by John Kalis, and lettered by Bill Oakley, Steve Dutro, and Joe Rosen. In this story, we see a Peter Parker clone emerge from the cloning tank, and he is cared for by Professor Warren. This is the original clone from the original clone saga, who I am going to continue calling Ben for simplicity's sake, because that's how we know him. He is Ben, right? Uh, Ben is confused, unable to understand who he is or what is going on. When he grabs a hold of Professor Warren... Uh, like out of instinct, he grabs a hold of him. The doctor beats him into submission using a special device to control his clones. Uh, ben then wakes in, uh, wakes up in a cell and is being experimented on before he finds a way to overpower Warren and escape. He like runs out into the city. 
Mm-hmm. As he's running through the city, uh, he starts climbing the skyscrapers because he's really just acting on pure instinct and he kind of knows that as like a thing that he can do. Uh, he is then approached by the jackal with a jetpack in one of the silliest panels of the entire story. I was, I genuinely had to stop because I started to to giggle at <laughs> seeing this this guy wearing a green jackal costume with a jetpack flying through New York City. And it, it made me realize that, well, I mean, it's not the only thing that made me realize this because it's well, been a thing. You, it beats taking the bloody subway. It will, yes. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. That was a dumb. <laughs> I don't live in New York. <laughs> the, uh, it made me realize how much the Jackal lacks uh, commitment to his own gimmick. Like, oh, yeah. Why is he, why is the Jackal green? Why is he, he doesn't look like a Jackal. Why is his thing clone? Like, so, okay, I can get behind your thing is cloning. That's fine. We'll separate that from the Jackal. But then, like, now you have a jetpack and you're flying around. Like, it's such a weird thing. For this character, you know, like He's the Green Goblin, at least throwing anything at the thing. wall and seeing if it sticks. Yeah, he's yeah. just a weird character. But anyway, uh, the two characters fight until Gwen Stacy appears, and uh, the Jackal takes advantage of this by knocking Ben out because he's, of course, enamored by Gwen Stacy and loses control over like what he's doing. And from here, we see the hypnotic conditioning that the Jackal Force has been through. And when finally he has like gone through all of that and he's ready, we see the original Clone Saga play out with Spider-Man waking up to another Spider-Man. So the two Spider-Men fight and uh, the whole events of the original Clone Saga play out. And there is an explosion, again, that seemingly kills Jackal and Ben. But then we see that Ben has woken up just outside of the smokestack where Peter had disposed of the body. So in the original Clone Saga, uh, there's an explosion. Peter is the only one left standing. He takes uh, Ben Riley's body because he doesn't, like, you can't just have, like, a dead Peter Parker laying around somewhere. And he drops him in a smokestack. But in here, we see that after that, Ben wakes up outside of the smokestack. We don't know how that happens. Okay. We just know that he wakes up outside and he's alive uh they've he then mentioned goes, the smokestack before like ben riley has in previous issues yeah because that's I mean, where like, he throws out the floppy disk right yeah yeah like when they're originally trying to be tricked like in the stuff that we were reading he's like mm-hmm. ben riley is like i don't need this i know who i am i began at these smokestacks so right. i mean like but that was still like clone Ben Riley. Right. Now, so yeah, we'll we'll figure out a little bit more of what's going on as okay. we read through the content. I just want to let you know that that's where my brain's at. But okay. <laughs> when, <laughs> when Ben leaves, he goes to visit Mary Jane and he sees Peter with her and he realizes that he must have been the clone all, all along. And that's what leads into the Parker legacy with him leaving and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so that ends issue zero. And okay. we then get into Spider-Man The Lost Years as its own story, which is, it's a three-issue miniseries. Issue zero is, like, fine. It's like preamble. But yeah, it really is, it's not a story. It's a bunch of little stories they tried to give context to the actual story. Yeah, um, I guess like context for readers who don't really know anything about the original Clone Saga. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like me? A lot of I it's here. I don't think you need it, but also I've, I've been steeped in Spider-Man lore since I was like fucking 10. So... And I have not. Know. So I found some of it helpful, but also it to me... If I were reading this in the order, like, I don't know when The Lost Years was, was it released after the one we just read? Around there, yeah. Okay, because we are reading them in release order. 
Uh, we're moving some things around, but for the for the most part, it's in release order. Okay. If I was reading this in the order that we have read this, which I have, <laughs> which is most mostly release order. Okay. To me, in my head, I would still be like, ever nothing makes sense as to the plot twist, the major one that they released last issue. Oh yeah. Yes. Okay, uh, I just want to make sure that no, that hasn't that been justified yet. Nope. Cool. Not all at right. all. Uh, so then, so we start Spider-Man The Lost Years, which is written by J.M.D. Matias, penciled by John Romita Jr., inked by Klaus Janssen, colored by Christy Scheel, lettered by Richard Starkings and Comicraft. And uh, this picks up three years later. So it's already been three years after Ben has left New York City, and he's sort of uh, developed a life, kind of like a nomadic life. Um, right. We follow Ben Riley as he makes his way to Salt Lake City. Uh, we begin with establishing our characters. So late at night, a trucker suffers a heart attack and runs off the edge of a cliff, but a mysterious man rescues him and performs CPR until the authorities arrive. This is establishing Ben Riley as still a heroic character, even if he's not really like sticking around to go do. Spider-Man stuff. You He's know? not sticking at a place to be their friendly neighborhood Ben Riley, Right. And he, He's just being uh, friendly Ben Riley. <laughs> we also learn that Ben has already met and befriended Dr. Seward Trainer uh, because he is taking a job at a local university um, based off of Seward Trainer's recommendation. And apparently this is an ongoing thing. He goes from town to town and he takes like small jobs based off of uh, Dr. Trainer's um, uh, recommendation. And that you, and then he finishes the job, takes the money, skips town. But they don't tell us how they met. Nope. Not at all. Uh, that might okay, be something well, that comes up. I don't weird. know. Yeah. I, the one thing that threw me off was at this point, Kane already knows Ben and Ben already knows Kane and Ben already knows Dr. Seward trainer. So like you're kind of starting after where you would want to know some of this stuff, but that doesn't like, there's a chance that this is, is answered later in the clone saga. I don't know. You know, I, I I mean, but also it's called the lost years because it's, I was hoping it would be like context for the years that were lost. There are, there are, but it hasn't. There, there's a lot of context here, and I okay. do have an answer as to like kind of why it's still a little vague. Because uh, it just we, makes me feel like Doctor Trainer really isn't like that. Maybe that trustworthy. Could be. I don't know. I don't uh, know. All right. So we later learn that Kane has tracked Ben Riley and is slowly watching him from the shadows. But instead of being in the blue and purple, he's just a regular man with long flowing hair and a thick beard that covers his scarred face. He looks like Alan Moore, if anyone knows what Alan Moore looks like. Uh, just a very, like a wizard is what he looks like. He's just <laughs> big, messy hair and a big, bushy beard. A shaggy Judas Traveler. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, and when a sex worker tries to get his attention at a local bar, he ignores her and he is then approached by her pimp and Kane is forced to fight the man into submission. Uh, Kane then gives the woman some money and he leaves, but he bumps into a woman named Louise Kennedy. The two are charmed with um... each other, uh, but Kane leaves before a lowly criminal named Jimmy the Mouth approaches Louise and she punches him in the stomach and then she leaves. Uh, we later find out Luis is Detective Raven's partner. That name uh, was familiar. Right. And she has been working undercover to bring down Jimmy the Mouth's uncle, Vincent Tannen, who is already in prison, but like his operation is still in full effect. It's like sort of. Yeah. You it's know, like the he's boss in prison. Is on vacation almost. Yeah, essentially. And so yeah. Jimmy the Mouth is sort of running it in his absence, but like. They're trying to take the whole thing down. And um, uh, Detective Raven uh, believes that they can make a difference. Uh, It just is a little, it's going to be a hard thing to do. Uh, But it comes up over and over again that it really is a matter of faith to him. And we learn that he's like a deeply religious man. Like he's 
he's a, a Mormon that um, is like really tied to his faith. Mm-hmm. So Riley stops at a local diner and he meets Janine, a beautiful redhead who he immediately finds attractive. Uh, he's got a thing for redheads, I guess. Uh, All right. He also meets Detective Jacob Raven. And learns that he seems to really like this guy because he radiates decency. Uh, Janine, on the other hand, doesn't really like Detective Raven, and we don't know why. It's not. It's just a thing where she seems a little bothered by him. Uh, Wait a minute. If, like, okay, when you say that they've met, have they, have they been like sitting down, like having a long conversation? No, or is it's it like just. They, it's like a really brief moment where they talk, you know? Uh, but it is a thing that I thought was weird because if you remember when Raven visited Peter in prison, he's like, oh, you know, Bob, you should have seen me, blah, blah, blah. So, like, he, it was clear that he knew who he was. But, like, it was never brought up how weird it was that Peter never reacted to seeing Detective Raven before. Like, it was clear that he didn't know who he was. It's just yeah. like a weird thing that they, I, there's a lot of weird shit going on in that. And I guess you just kind of have to go, I don't know. Like based what on what I had read, I never would have, like you would think that like Detective Raven would be like, hmm, this Peter Parker looks familiar. But again, maybe it was just like such a brief moment that it was like insignificant to the he detective. Does- like when he goes to meet Peter in prison, and it might, I think it was in one of the ones that I read, he mm-hmm. does act as though they have known each other. But oh, like, okay. it's just, it's a weird thing because it's not the other way. If that's the case, you would expect uh, Peter to recognize Detective Raven, but he doesn't. But, but Ben was the. Right. Well, no, I'm saying if you are Detective Raven, oh, you would think okay. this guy knows you. Yes. Wow. The clone saga really got me for a second. <laughs> no, this is, it gets confusing. Okay. So, uh, Ben and Janine talk and they hit it off immediately and they decide to plan to go on a date with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on a bust by Luis is, uh, goes wrong and Tannen's men gain the advantage. They are ready to kill her until Kane crashes through the window, rescuing her. And when Luis asks, now what? Kane tells her that he can think of a few things and they immediately go and hook up. <laughs> so so uh, as Ben is on his way driving through the city to meet Janine, his spider sense goes off and he ends up following it to a nearby house. As he gets close, it explodes. Ben rushes into the house and rescues a woman and a child. Uh, They both live, but the doctors aren't sure whether or not they're going to pull through. Mm -hmm. It is later revealed that the people Ben rescued were Detective Raven's wife and child. Raven himself had been kidnapped by Tannen's men, and Luis gets the news via a phone call while she's still in bed with Kane. Whoa. Riley realizes that he's got to do something, but he really kind of doesn't want to. Like, he wants someone else to rush in and save the day because he's sort of found a happy life that he's living and he doesn't want to get involved. Okay. So he likes the life that he's got. He's hanging out with Janine. They're having a good time and he doesn't, he doesn't want to deal with the power and responsibility of being him. And I, I can see how that would like, on paper, it's like, oh, we're retreading a lot of the stuff, but it's written really well. I, I will right. say, like, for those that have read uh, The Man Without Fear, it, like, it's not, like, John Romita Jr. does the artwork for that. And this is obviously going to be similar because it's John Romita Jr. doing the artwork for this. But it's more than that. It's it is like there is something about this weird origin story that's being done. I think really well. Well, it also kind of reminds also because I'm still thinking of I'm still thinking of him as a clone that he's not the original like Peter Parker. Like right. If it was Ben Riley, like clone, like he really didn't choose to have these powers, like at yes. all. 
Right. So, like, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he doesn't want he doesn't want to deal with it. I it makes sense, I think. Yeah, uh, but Ben kind of realizes that he does have to do something because otherwise, like, someone is going to die, and he yeah. doesn't want that to happen. So. He creates a quick costume out of bandaged hands and a bandaged face mask. Kind of looks like, uh, I don't like know. Like the Invisible know. Man? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, he kind of leaves the top for his hair to come out. Um, and you kind of can't, like, you, yeah. It, but it's essentially the Invisible Man. Uh, he then tracks down Tannen's men as they are leaving with Detective Raven. And he takes care of them. It's, it's a really quick fight scene and he pulls Raven to safety and he tells him that he has nothing to fear from him. This like masked man. Uh, the police arrive and Raven is told about his wife and son. Cause he didn't know, which yeah. obviously is a little upsetting. Yeah. Kane. Meanwhile is dealing with new feelings of being loved and accepted as he realizes that he genuinely cares for Luis. He starts to question if there might be a life for him, even if he is like genetically deformed. Because it's not for him, it's not just that he is cloned. It's that he like he is degenerating and his like face is scarred, like his body is messed up. Yes. And that, that's part of the issue. Yeah, because he was trial number one. So right. We then learn that Detective Raven's wife didn't survive the night. Uh, and when Tannen learns that the son has survived, he is unhappy to hear about the lack of success in eliminating the entire family. So he puts the word out that it has to get done right. Oh my God. Yeah. He's an evil bastard. Yeah. Uh, Riley then runs into Janine and he apologizes for breaking their dinner date. Uh, from that point on, they spend almost every single moment together oh, wow. uh, enjoying like just the this just weird like, yeah and while ben builds on his relationship with janine during the day he goes out at night and fights tannin's organization and he starts to wonder if he's doing it out of responsibility to the innocent or fear of how quickly things are moving uh with janine it's all cut short, though, because Janine tells him that they can't see each other anymore. She doesn't tell him why. She just says she can't see him anymore. Oh. I wonder if she's part of the mob. In a quiet part of town... Oh, Kane Derek Louise, didn't answer. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to let that hang for a bit, because I was questioning what the fuck is going on. Because, I mean, we start power and responsibility, uh, and, you know, Ben is solo. so. Clearly, he can't have like a hidden Clearly, wife he somewhere. didn't have a Janine because he was trying to get with Becky and uh, and like Gabriella or whatever her name was. <laughs> so we uh, we cut to Kane and Luis who are enjoying a, a nice tender moment overlooking the city. Kane considers Luis to be the light in his dark world, but she tells him that they're more alike than he thinks. She calls him the night sky and the darkness, which is why she loves him. They return home, and Kane has an attack of pain from the clone degeneration. Uh, it's sort of it. It's it's shown in a way that's like he can't control how much pain he's in, and it's like a panic attack, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he uh, rushes out of the 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 home and goes f- to find Ben Riley. And when he does, he just beats him down. Like he is to the point where he's ready to kill him. And the only thing holding him back from like delivering that lethal blow is because he realizes he wants Ben to suffer. And so he can't kill him. He wants to just continue to make him suffer throughout the rest of his life. Oh. And it's through this that we learn that Kane knows Ben Riley is the real Peter Parker and he hates him because he'll never have to suffer the way that Kane does. And I feel like this is a little bit of a retcon because it seemed like at least the way that it was written before he was 
trying to preserve Peter Parker as the original, and he yeah. hated Ben for being a clone. Yeah, so, and getting in in the way of a simple life for the original, which was literally what happened in like the issue just before this. Yeah. So it's and this is it's it's that like there mm. are retcons in here that if you just accept this, like it it's good. You know what I mean? But like those are the little things where it's like that doesn't quite square with what we've read before. Because we um, have to look at it as like a like <laughs> hmm. I wanna like it because like it is like, you know, it's it's cool motive, you know. I yeah. get it. But like this is the clone saga. Yeah, it's you all know? part of one thing. Like and... you've put it under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. You've put it under one house. Like, sure, the bathroom in this house might be nice, but the electrical is shit. <laughs> And there's, there's no heat. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess this is also a good point. I should, I probably should have mentioned this before. The way that the story is written is you get, you have three perspectives and it's Detective Raven, Ben and Kane. And they're telling it from what is present day in the comics. And they, so they are remembering these things and, and like, remarking on them with like present day knowledge so like ben will later talk about like things that have happened since he's been back in new york you know detective raven talks about like how things are going south and like so like it's i think it's really well done there's like an ambiance to the story that works it's just (laughs) it works as a as almost like a separate thing from the clone sock. <laughs> That's how it feels. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Kane leaves after beating Riley, essentially, like within an inch of his life, uh, and he is cap. Riley is captured by Tannen's men, and a surprise appearance by Luis Kennedy. Oh. So mob boss Vince Tannen has gotten out of prison and he uh, has taken Raven's son hostage. And as Tannen's men prepared to kill Ben Riley, Louise Kennedy is ready to let it happen. We learn that she has been on Tannen's payroll for quite a while, uh, which comes as a shock not only to Ben and Detective Raven's son, because they're now all in one spot, Mm -hmm. but also to Kane who crashes back into the building um, ready to, to fight. Uh, he, he is absolutely distraught over what he sees as a betrayal mm-hmm. uh, because he thought of her as this, like, righteous, wonderful woman. Yeah, it's the and it turns light. out she's working. Right. Which is a little weird, I think, because it's also like, I mean, you didn't really tell her everything about you. Yeah, and you like, didn't tell her to, you were a freaking clone. Right. To her, this is kind of like a, a job. I mean, yeah, she's doing bad things, but like, I don't know. It it, I, it makes sense. It's just like... Yeah, I, like, I get it. And it, I think for Kane, it's like, it is a more interesting way as to why this woman probably died. I have, like, I'm assuming, like, he does actually kill her. Like, he confessed before right and it's out of like you know because he's upset and heartbroken and he's also a version of spider-man that has to stop the bad guys but he's super chaotic and bad and like maybe he accidentally kills her that's my prediction but like it definitely makes for a more interesting thing so he barrels through all of the bad guys uh, just trying to get to her Mm -hmm. but she manages to escape with tannin um and leaves Kane behind uh with Ben and uh Detective Raven's son. So right. uh Ben takes care of Raven's son, gets him out. Uh he takes him to his father, uh, and um he doesn't tell him about his partner. 
it, it's mm. just one of those things where he's like, I don't, he doesn't feel right telling him. Uh, which is an interesting take. It's like, okay, I, I feel like you should have, but at the same, he's like, in his mind, he's like, so much has been taken away from this man so far, so far. That, yeah. Like, he doesn't want to take I was going to say, like, else. he's lost his wife. He almost lost his son. And now like to lose your partner. And, like, it, and the, the part of why I brought up his faith earlier is that after the explosion, he has been steadily losing his faith. So, like, it, yeah, it's, it's really just breaking It's not his really mind. mentioned before. The reason why his faith doesn't come up again is because he, he essentially loses it throughout this. He can't yeah. handle what's happened. And he doesn't no. believe a god would put this on him. Uh, yeah. So... Ben then goes to uh, collapse at Janine's door. And because he was just beaten, like, essentially to death uh, by Cain, his face is incredibly bruised and bloodied. And, you know, he barely even looks like a person. Right. Uh, Janine takes him in and cares for him. And as he mends, they reveal all of their secrets to each other. Uh, Janine's real name is Elizabeth Tyne. And she has been on the run from the police for murder. Uh, When she was a child, this is where it gets really hard. When she was a child, um, her father abused her. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it got to a point when, you know, she was older and she had a little bit uh, more understanding of what was going on, and she had this rage pouring out of her, uh, she ended up killing him. Right. And uh, she believes, she kind of like looks at herself as sort of a monster for what she's done. Uh, but yeah, Ben holds her and tells her that uh, he loves her. And when she asks how he could possibly love someone like her, Ben replies, I could ask you the same thing. And then he takes her out into the city uh, leaping from rooftop to roo- rooftop, um, showing her what it's like to be him, essentially. Yeah. It's a really sweet moment. She even jokingly calls him Spider-Man, uh, which is <laughs> kind of oh, cute. Funny. Yeah. Uh, but now, so they've grown a lot closer after all of this. Oh, okay. I also, uh, Elizabeth Tyne was a name that stood out to me, so I actually had to stop and look it up. The reason it stands out to me is because the name pops up quite a bit uh, in the MC2, which I'm a big fan of, which was the uh, oh okay the, the sort of sequel series to Marvel that they put out in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I still would recommend not looking that up because it is going to have a lot that deals with the Clone Saga because it was published essentially right after the Clone Saga. Ah. I will not then. <laughs> it is it is really good. And I have a few of the the books. And when I say really good, I mean really good for the time. It's not like a very it's just a lot of fun and like silly goofy superhero stuff. You I know like I mean? silly goofy. That's fine. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Anyway. Cool. Uh, they the have crack- a nice moment. Right. Uh so the lives of Ben and Kane continue uh, as Kane again faces off against Louise, who tells Kane that she really did love him. And for the first time in his life, Kane starts to cry. <gasps> wow. And after <laughs> Louise leaves him, uh, Kane follows Riley and Janine, um, wondering how a man stripped of his soul and his identity could find love like that when, you know, Kane couldn't either. Um, he thinks to himself that Professor Warren would be proud uh, that his son was finally reaching his full potential. And Ben and Janine decide that they are going to leave and they're going to head east. Uh, Oh, okay. They stop somewhere for food, and when they do, they're confronted by Raven and Kennedy, who tell Janine that it's time to stop running. They've essentially found... uh, they found uh, out who she really was. And that's why she didn't like Raven before. Uh, dang so it. 
Ben pleads with Raven to consider that he's saved both the older and younger uh, uh, Raven's lives. He is telling him who he is, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then Luis recognizes Ben because of this. You know, she recognizes he's the guy that was at the warehouse. And she tells Raven that he is one of Tannen's men. So now Raven thinks that this guy is working with Tannen. Oh. And Riley snaps, knocks the gun from Luis's hand, and uh, grabs Raven's neck with the other, telling him that he needs to leave them alone. So it's not looking good. Like, Ben is no, really... No, like, not at all. Ben is really making this seem... Like he's super guilty of something. <laughs> yeah. Um, ben and Janine leave the restaurant, and as they continue on their journey, they're attacked by Kane, who seems intent now on killing Ben. Okay. He, he just cannot handle it. Riley fights back with everything that he has, telling Kane that he has finally found something, someone to live for. And as they fight, Kennedy and Raven arrive, still tracking Ben and Janine. Kennedy breaks away from Raven and pulls a gun on Ben, ready to kill him. She fires and misses, which gives Kane enough time to grab her and snap her neck. Kane then reaches down and, uh, for the first time, puts the mark of Kane on her face. Uh, so it's after he kills her. He he like does that as an accident or on purpose? No, no, no. he. He does it on purpose. He wants to, like, he is mad and he wants to burn her face, essentially. Because she was part of the mob. It, he, she betrayed him. Yeah. Is the way he sees it. Yeah. So okay. Kane runs off, uh, leaving Detective Raven uh, to find Ben and uh, Janine next to uh, his partner's body. Uh, okay. Ben, quickly disarms Raven and reminds him that if he was a killer, Raven would be dead now too. And then he and Janine take off and that's how the story ends. That's funky. Right. I, when I, so when I got to the end, I was like, wait, how the fuck, like what happened between now and when Ben shows up in New York and there is an answer for it, but it won't come now. It's in a different miniseries that we That's will read later. stupid. It should just be now in the lost years, the time in which it took place. Um, this, okay, this was a good story. It's not the story I was expecting. No, like, I liked it though. It was good. I, I don't know if it really helps me with content. I mean, I guess it like it gives us context to the most minor part of the grand plot as to what happened to Detective Raven's partner, which is like, all right, cool. But like. Uh, all right. <laughs> I, I th So it's interesting because having read it. Having like had the actual story in front of me, seeing the art, having it play out in front of me. Yeah, I think context, that, that I loved it. And I think for you, you're just having the plot points detailed to you. And it's a very different reaction. And I yeah. was curious about that because like I genuinely fucking loved this. Well, and I'm glad. That's it good. Reads, I the reason I think you would like it is that it reads like an early Batman story. Oh, I mean, it'll twist my arm a little. Why don't you? <laughs> if you take out, like, he's not acting as a detective, like Ben isn't. If you just take that out and you replace it as, like, early, like, early vigilante Batman. Yeah. This fits that really well. I think, like, again, I think if I just thought of it as an, a separate, single, one-shot story, just even if it was just, like, there were no superpowers involved. It was just like a mob drama. I think this is a cool story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it is. Uh, but when I, I have to think of the big picture. <laughs> the other thing that like sort of weighs it down for me uh, and it's very minor is because it's set at a certain time in the Spider-Man mythos. 
the way the character the characters are convinced of certain details that like look you've not read the clone saga all the way through i'm sure you can piece together that at some point they reveal that peter is really peter and that ben is like not peter uh mm-hmm. like that's a thing that they're just going to have to do because if they're trying to get rid of the clone saga, they got to wrap all this shit up. Right. So if you're reading this, it's coming from the perspective that Ben is the real Peter. And like, that's kind of a silly thing to read now. Yeah. It, it it does not make any sense. (laughs) If he, if you're reading this as this Ben is the real Peter, it makes no sense. It, why would he go to Utah? Well, I mean, so for there, it, it is just, he's just been wandering around taking jobs wherever he can. But why? Like, I feel like if you were the real Peter, you would be so, man. And it's yeah, just but he's like, con- he's convinced he's not, you know? Yeah, because it's like where his body has ended up is like, I feel like the writers are trying to gaslight me into making me believe that Ben Riley is the real Peter Parker. Well, yes. That and I is, don't like that. That is the, well, and that was the <sighs> general reaction of fans at the time, too. They were really pissed off about this. I'm really annoyed about it. So, uh, do you want to know some of the trivia that we have for this? Because it's actually, like, I thought really interesting, and it yeah, kind of sure. shines some light on why it ends the way that it does. Because I, like I was like, trivia. holy, Let's this do doesn't it wrap anything up so of course i'm gonna go with uh uh the the life of riley (laughs) yeah we're gonna go from the life of riley with of course glenn greenberg Greenberg. um yeah we're gonna go with glenn greenberg's comments from the life of riley uh this is quoting of course i believe it was danny who put the creative team together and got the whole thing rolling danny fingeroff that is Uh, When Bob Budiansky came on as Spider-Man's editor-in-chief, Bob integrated his staff, including me, Tom Braybort, and associate editor Sarah Mosoff, into the Spider-Man group. And some projects were shuffled. Sarah ended up getting the lost years and put it out, although she shared the editor credit with Danny. Uh, This was John Romita Jr.'s big return to the Spider-Man group after penciling the three-part Parker legacy storyline that ran as a backup in the Spider-Books a few months earlier. Mm-hmm. This was very appropriate as The Lost Years is a sequel to the Parker legacy in that it is essentially the story that picks up where the Parker legacy left off and continues the story of Ben's early days in exile. Demetrius did a terrific job tying it all together and providing an intriguing backstory to the present day trial of Peter Parker storyline. I was particularly taken with Janine and wanted to see more of her or at least find out what happened to her. Lost Years was great with a top-notch creative team, and Bob Budiansky wanted to turn it into a whole new franchise. So it would be continuing uh, the continuing saga of Ben Riley's years on the road. He'd be out of costume, but still inevitably ending up having to use his powers to help or protect the innocent, because with great power must come great responsibility. Once or twice a year, we would do a Lost Years project each by a different creative team to fill in the missing chapters of Ben Riley's life. At this point, Budiansky was apparently committed to the idea of Ben as the one true original Spider-Man. And I really don't think he would have planned an entire franchise around a character that he knew he was eventually going to debunk. I was very excited about the prospect of Lost Years as a franchise and wanted very much for the Bravework Greenberg office to be in on it. If Ben was indeed going to be the original Spider-Man, I felt that there was a genuine need for such a franchise. For starters, I got to uh, be the reprint editor of the Lost Years trade paperback, which collected the three issues in one volume. Additionally, Tom B. let me take this lead on developing new Lost Years projects for us to work on and compiling lists of potential writers and artists to talk to. Tom and I ended up putting together one Lost Years project, but not in the way that we had originally intended. The project ended up as a four-issue limited series called Spider-Man Redemption. It was a direct sequel to Spider-Man The Lost Years, but it was primarily set in the present day. 
which you and I will get to a few episodes from now because okay. that will be something we will cover. Right. I and that's did the not sequel know. to this. Right. And so that would fill in some of the 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 gaps between the way this ends and the way power and responsibility starts. Okay. And I liked this idea when I found out that they were going to do the Lost Years as a an ongoing franchise. Genuinely, I think that's a great idea. If you are going with this character yeah. is going to be around, it's a fun idea to do like the lost tales of blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say so. I think that's a great idea, and it's a good way of like you can do stories set in the past that could maybe influence things that are happening in the future. And like, as you reveal stuff in the future, it might give you stuff to bring into some of the past stories. It's a great idea. It's weird that they only did it a couple of times. I mean, I guess because the clone saga was starting to piss everyone off, especially Ben being Spider-Man. But like, I don't know. I, I think this is great. And I, if they were all of this quality, I, you could have sold me on Ben being Spider-Man. And I, I think be... I still need more convincing, but I also didn't oh, read I, it. I, I would need more convincing than just this, but I could see a path forward. If, if we have, we've already seen Ben being like the better Spider-Man of the two. And, and then if you mm-hmm. introduce this story, which is a really well put together story, like, to me, the thing that I don't like about this is you're overcomplicating Spider-Man's life, right? Like, he is sort of like an everyday, uh, like an everyman kind of person. Uh, yeah. And you're ruining that if you introduce this, like, weird five-year thing. This this fits with, like, a Batman, where it's like, he ran away for some time and did blah, 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 blah. Okay, I can buy that from Batman. Yeah. But like you can't really buy that from Spider Man. No, because it's he's so New York based. Well, that and then it also it it also makes his life very unique. Where the thing that really sells Peter is that he's just a regular dude. You know, he yeah. just happened to get these powers. And like I like Ben as a character, and I would be okay with taking, uh, um. Yeah, no, the more I think about it, I still wouldn't like Ben being Spider-Man. No, it because it doesn't make sense. Like, he, it just... Mm, but I like Ben weird. as his own character. Yeah, I like, like you know, I like him as the Scarlet Spider. I don't like him as Spider-Man. It's, right. And it's because it's just like, we've known him so long as the Scarlet Spider, and you watched him already have his own, like, origin story in a way and yeah. like in my head I'm like it's stuck like that like it yeah. and I like that this was like a fun read and I like I'm I'm very glad you had a good time because it sounds like it's a good story it is really but good it's really well done to me if the goal of the story was to try and persuade me that he is Spider-Man it did not do it at all I, I don't think say. that was the point. I think the point was to just fill in some of the gaps and to get you more interested in not only like what happened to Ben before, but Ben as a character, you know? Cause like, and like, I think it's like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Cause it's like, he got really weirdly like aggressive and it's like, maybe he's learning to, he's going to learn not to like grab people by the throat. That think yeah, that part was weird. Partner. But like, I mean, it, like, I don't know. I, I <laughs> think there's just a way. I I also am a sucker for like uh, the two things: love stories and like uh, like the tra- tragedies, and like they go yeah. together really well. Obviously, you are a Shakespearean kind of dude. It goes back to my love of Sandman. Uh, Freaking love Sandman. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. (laughs) You and I are going to have to do another Sandman check-in. But also... Yes, we will. uh, I'm excited. As you 
as you get to the final book, which I know you got a little while, but when you get to the final book, like there is a a whole series of stories in there that yeah. are structured as a Shakespearean tragedy. That yes. is the entire like Gaiman went in with I am going to write a Shakespearean tragedy, and it yes. is so fucking good. I'm going and- to this is going to happen. Um, I'm going to rank. <laughs> My, uh, well, so I was thinking I rank my favorite stories in each book that I have. And then when oh, I'm yeah. finished reading them, I will do a grand ranking. Um, That's a great idea. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we'll have to go back and talk about book one um, one day. It will not be uh, after we talk. It will probably be after we talk about book two. I'll start the ranking with book two. And I will tell people what was in book two because I know that there's like different sizes of Sandman books you can get, but it, be ready because I'm going to be talking about it. Yeah, Just we, we got <laughs> to do another Sandman check-in. And actually, there might be, not to, not to have our production meeting on air, but it might make sense to do that uh, sometime soon because we have some long Let's do it next because go I'm going to be busy this week and I don't <laughs> yeah, have time no. to read. I totally so to have our production meeting. I am so air. happy that we decided to split the next story in two because it is huge. I, don't know, I know. It's maximum it, clonage. Yes. They started advertising it during Trial of Peter Parker. <laughs> I want everyone to know that. That's the thing I forgot to mention in the last episode. Almost every time... No, it was every time I finished an issue in Trial of Peter Parker, they were like, and get ready for maximum clownage where we blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, "Um, give me, let me just finish this. (laughs) So this was, I think, originally the way that they they put this out, Lost Years was going to be just a a standalone thing. And then as they worked on it, they were like, oh. Let's make it multiple things. Let's make it multiple things because it like it could be a fun way of telling these stories. I, I genuinely dig it. It's I kind agree, of similar. Yeah. Uh, oh fuck, man! They should have had me in the editor's office uh, because <laughs> in the nineties. <laughs> yes, because at the same time they were doing classic X Men, and what they would do is they would reprint older X Men stories starting from the beginning. It was a good way for people to get. Uh, on and like get caught up on X Men lore, yes. But they would do backup stories with like new, uh, uh, new stories that would flesh out some of like what was going on. Right. That's what they should have done with this. They should have reprinted old Spider Man stories, and then the backup story be some of like an ongoing Ben Riley, like what's going on in Ben Riley's life. Honestly, Damn. yeah, that would have been so much fun. Yes, I agree. I feel like we... But unfortunately, you were not in the editing room in the 90s, and this is what we have. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you and I could have done a better job, honestly. I mean, I'm very flattered. Honestly, I don't know if I could have done a better job, because I just would have been like, I don't fucking know. But, um... I don't know. I don't know. I I was really cocky in the beginning of this episode, and now I'm just like... If I could write a comic book, <laughs> well, but I mean, I think that I think that you could. I definitely think you could, and I Maybe. think that it would it would be something where you might need the structure, you know, oh, yeah. given to you. But like, you know, a good story, you know what goes into a good story. That's and valid. like, I'm not saying Thank that you. these people don't, but I think that they're they're throwing a lot at the wall and hoping something sticks. I think again, it's like that marketing got really in the way oh, yeah. and. Because it got in the way, it's turning into real soap opera vibes as opposed to like good story vibes all the time. Look, I love a good soap opera. But yeah, time in order and place. To, you, in order to hang those like those emotions on something, you got to have like the, the idea of a good story every so often. You yes. can't go every every issue can't end with a big shocking revelation You've got to have something to make you care about those shocking revelations. And I feel like so far, we've got a little bit of like some interesting stuff. But every time they start something interesting, they're like, but then here's the big reveal for this month. And it's it's not good. <laughs> nah, it's real tiring. It, it makes you real tired. I will <laughs> not lie. So um, 
You can find more information at comicallypedantic.com. You can also follow us on Instagram by searching at PedanticCast. New episodes come out most Sundays on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at comicallypedantic.com. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them in text or audio recording to comicallypedantic at gmail.com. Please indicate if you'd like your name or question read on the air. And don't forget... We still we own, own. comicskid.com. That's right. And if you'd like Damn to send a donation to the Games and Online Harassment Hotline, please do so. They're doing wonderful work. Uh, yes. We will be back soon with another deep dive into the world of comics. Hopefully a Sandman check-in from Corinne. Little Sandy gentleman. Yes. But until then, <laughs> you can find more exciting adventures at your local comic shop. 